is your fear of dying really a fear of living? This is today's topic on Tales of Recovery. Thank you for joining me. This is Grease Alves, your host. And as we approach Day of the Dead, and I've had a few experiences of near death myself these past couple of weeks, I figured I'd come share with you um, with great honor and gratitude some of the expansion and experiences that I've been having during these past months. Um, if you're following me on Instagram, you know I was out for a couple of weeks here on retreat with um, some beautiful, beautiful people doing some energy healing work uh, with the teacher, master teacher, Sasha Cobra. And then I went to Mexico City to see a few friends, loved up friends from 30 years ago to connect certain things that I really just wanted to show up and hug them and give them my heart full gratitude for having been so pivotal in my life. Um, and you know, you, you come to a point of your life when you look back and you're like, oh, no wonder I met this person. And I don't really, I haven't seen them in 25 years, but dude, it was pivotal how how they helped you and you know my friend Sergio who's in Mexico City gave me a job I had never really worked a real job I mean I was just you know playing in bands here and there but an actual responsible job that gave me structure and stability and just his guidance and his patience with me and some of the things he would tell me that now makes sense but back then I was like wow that's so mystical but now I'm like you know the spirit world puts you in positions where you might not realize at the moment, but later on you're like, okay. And so I'm saying this because it's part of these journey memories that have guided me to a point where I realized, why are we so freaking scared of dying? Dying isn't really even dying. It's like the beginning or the continuation of this journey. But what happened is, you know, we've been conditioned to be so afraid so freaking scared of death because you know they, they've taken our power you know the church the culture western i mean there's different cultures some are a little bit way more in touch with the natural um circle of life and the sacredness of the earth and the elements and they live a lot more in tune with the reality of this miracle and love and and um that it's that it's more than just what do I have and how much money I'm going to get and where am I going to be successful at and who am I getting and who am I fighting? You know, we've been trained into this. Um, we've been robbed of our consciousness, of our free thought, of our free um, will because, I don't know, somebody out there, powers that be, um, is really afraid of our power. And so, you know, we've been trained to see death as this tragedy, right? Like the afterlife is this horrible tragedy and it's just like the fear, you know, and these stories of heaven and hell and if you do this, you go there and if you don't do that and um, everything we do is to not die, right? Like be super healthy and, and not don't look old and eat really good and take all the vitamins and everything is based out of fear instead, out of instead of gratitude 
uh, of this gift that we get to come here and feel through our bodies and our skin and our senses, especially in this life of hustle and technology that has really lost its connection to the earth. You know, we've, we've grown to identify with our successes or what we do instead of really who we are and going back to the simplicity of community and return to, to togetherness instead of being so separate, you know? And so how do we o overcome this fear? And what does even overcome a fear mean? You know, like overcome what? Um, you know, the way I learned about death, and I think a lot of the people in this culture, in this side of the world, I'm over here in San Diego, so Mexico, United States, area um, was really super duper freaking fear based you know if, if um, for a lot of us your parents didn't even really take you to a funeral or or somebody had died or to honor the dead and I mean we in Mexico did have day of the dead um, but it was more of like for me an experience of something traditional until I was older and I understood that you're honoring the ancestors that are coming in to say hi and it's like a ritual for grief and for gratitude and for acknowledging that this is the lineage and all these things had to happen for you to get here which is what I've kind of discovered this past two or three weeks um, I mean I've I've touched it inside of me in these past two or three weeks I've not really discovered it I already knew but it was more in my face so growing up the main uh, one of the things that would happen to me as a little girl was I would lay in bed super fucking scared. Like I was probably eight years old, uh, maybe even younger. It was before I moved to Tijuana. So I didn't move to Tijuana until I was nine, almost ten. So I had to be nine, eight years old. And I was petrified just laying in bed, thinking and thinking, not even about what was going to happen when I die, but really about, like, okay, if we die, it's kind of like you're sleeping. And so it's this dream state, and there's nothing you don't remember, or maybe you do. But how long is it going to go on for? Like, I thought about the stars and all the moons and like how, how like how how long is this gonna like this is forever you know and I could just I would just lay there in my bed just wondering about what the hell um, is gonna go I couldn't handle it I just remember just laying there looking at the ceiling looking outside the window <laughs> and I didn't even get up and go say mom help me or, or somebody help me or somebody explain this to me I just remember laying there just thinking about these things and you know, then I never really, you know, I we, my parents sent us to a Catholic school for a few years until like third grade. And we would go to the little old colonial church there near where I lived, the mass, to go to mass. And so my, ex my um, the communication that I got about that was, yes, you better be good and you can go to heaven or you if you're bad you go to hell and also like there's this god there's this god that is in charge and so they had this communion right and what they taught us at school was when you go up to the priest and take the bread that's that you're having god but they wouldn't let you do it until you were able to go and train for your first communion and in my second grade mind or third grade or i don't know how old i was it was before I don't know, maybe second, third grade, I would think, why are they holding back if that's God? And then maybe I can know what happens after, 
you know, or, or you die, and instead of laying in the, my room freaking out, I can have some of this God. And so I just one day decided I'm just going to go up and get it. And during communion in one of the masses at school, my friend's like, where are you going? Dude, you haven't done your first communion. You can't go up there. And and, and I was like, oh, no. I already did it a couple weeks months ago, like in, in the ranch with my grandparents. So it's good. Like, don't worry about it. I'll be right back. And I walked right up there, and I took the took the bread, you know, took the Holy Ghost, <laughs> and nobody noticed the nuns, the priests. They didn't give shit. Like they they weren't really. Like, maybe there were too many kids, or they weren't paying attention. I don't know. But I took it. I went back. They dipped it in the wine. They, they gave it to me. I went back to my seat, and I was like, okay, here we go. One, two. nothing's happening and nothing was happening other than the adrenaline of my body not getting caught about doing this nothing really happened so I was like okay well I guess that's a bunch of bullshit you know like or, or what is it just up in my mind is it just a, and it, you know time went by and you know we'd go to the mass also at during my house and um, this big cobblestone church in San Angel was like you walked in and they had these huge, like, um, what are the, the boxes where they bury the dead? I forgot. Coffins. They were all made of, it looked like a coffin. It was a box. And they were clear, still clear. They were made out of glass. And inside of them was, like, these two long bodies of um, some kind of saint, I guess. But they were made out of ceramic, but they looked really real and super scary. So even just walking in there was like, close your eyes, holy shit, oh my God, grab out of my dad and just walk, walk, walk till you passed it. And then you were near the front, near the window, and then you could be like, oh, okay, whew. okay, I'm past those big old, like why do they even put that in the churches? I mean, for little kids, that's just like insanely horrible and just, and fear-based. So that's, that's my experience of who this thing that was in control was. It was something to be feared. And, and and death wasn't like this natural thing. It was like, hold on to your horses because it's going to be horrible and freaky and bad. And never even mind that you're like doing bad shit. It's just in general, the whole message was, whoa, fear-based, you know? And then they started talking about how much he loves you and he died on the cross and he's all messed up there. And it's like, that's just gnarly. So... You know, I just wasn't, I just wasn't into it. Of course, you know, I had to do the real First Communion and take the classes and go to the thing. And my mom was just amazing at preparing these parties. And she rented this garden and had so many beautiful flowers and these this group of singers. And it's called an Estudiantina. And I was up there with my dress, just super nervous because then it was like, okay, this is the real time I get to, now I'm really going to know what's going on because now I really did the steps. And now... I'm going to be okay when I go to sleep at night and not worry about what's going to happen after we die. And I get up there and the guy is, you know, the priest is telling the thing and I'm just like looking at the at the trees and I'm a little calm I think cuz it's so beautiful outside and the flowers, but at the same time everyone's behind me and I'm just freaking out because when I take the bread now something huge is going to happen and I take it and it's like one Three. I'm like, how long am I supposed to wait before 
I get up and there's something supposed to be happening supernaturally and I don't feel anything. Nothing's happening. So I feel like a failure and like, what the hell? Why are we doing this? This is like, do I get up? Do I not get up? I mean, all I really felt was, you know, I was really embarrassed. That's what I felt like. Am I supposed to turn around? Am I not? Like I was worried about, it was like a fucking performance, you know? And all I really wanted to do was when you share the pieces, get down and go all the way to the back to hug my um, Papa Luis and, and my Agüe, because they were sitting way right in the back. And really, that's all I wanted to do is go hug him. But then I was like, wait, is that part of the show? Is that allowed? Can I go over there and hug him? Because wait a moment, we're supposed to be sitting here, you know, pretending that we're feeling the supernatural experience that I wasn't feeling at all. <laughs> and so after that, you know, life went on we were playing I was you know, a kid and I just was constantly thinking these things just really worried about what the hell is up with this death thing you know and as time goes by and I experienced other people dying and my neighbor's father passed away my brother's ex-girlfriend passed away my grandfather then my grandmother had lots and lots of friends and when people died, you just showed up. It was just a natural thing for me to show up. And so in, like intrinsically, I had this okayness with being around, um, holding people and hugging people and being present for them when others died because I, it was like the sorrow and just the, the beauty of, of acknowledging so much love was way more powerful than the fear. You know, and, and I began to just realize, wow, being alive is so sacred. Like, why are we even so scared about dying? Just let's just live. And I began to live like a motherfucker, like, you know, like beach and camping and traveling and music and doing whatever I wanted and just enjoying people and hugging people and and just, you know, and in this deep sensibility that I had, there was also a lot of fear and pain and and so, you know, my process has been in and out of really not being able to cope with such intensity like some of it is just too much like I, I feel so much and I just had like a lot of other programming was wait a minute now wait a minute now you're feeling too much okay you're supposed to behave like this and not say that and not feel this and not look like that and just the way you express yourself is just too loud and the way you you say these things and so then all of this amazingness of recognizing that life is just beautiful is also now like oppressed with with fear and i began to and i see this in, in society and other people we begin to fear living we begin to be afraid of living because we want to make sure that all of these constructs are in set in space in place and all of this quote-unquote safety issues safety belt and safety this and safety that and don't say this and don't act that way and follow this road or else you're going to go down the, the you know the path um, that is not right for you and so all of this fear starts to just build up in our bodies and now we're living out of fear and not even enjoying life so instead of fearing death we're fearing life lifeness lifeness we were scared to live because we're constantly worried about when it's going to end or when something bad's going to happen and that's just part of being in this human experience and part of this 
the pleasure. Because we don't think of fear or of sadness as pleasure, but it's pleasure because it's sensation in this in these tissues, in this conduit for life that we get to have, this body sack that we breathe through. And you know, I I was in Tulum with Julia for two weeks with this energy tune retreat. And I had done some energy work before and some breath work and you know, after so many years of talk therapy and recovery and trying to just, you know, expand and, and, and grow into just the healing that that I feel is calling me because I want to live a life of love and freedom. So whenever, you know, I can, I'm just constantly asking God and the universe, goddess, Pachamama, whatever you want to call it, to 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 guide me to what is the next step. And through many years of talk therapy and you know retreats and this and that, okay, now what? Now what? Now I need something dip deeper than that. And um, you know, seeking, following love, I fell into a community, of course, in the church for a little bit, which you know it, it ended up being like a big lesson in uh, fear-based following love. But either way, I was following love, so. If you did that and you're out of there or you grew up in that and you need to get out, don't beat yourself up about it. It's cool. We're just on the road to following love. And spirit will guide you as long as you follow your voice and are able to say and speak whatever the fuck you want without being scared of not belonging, which is what I try to model here on this podcast. So continuing my journey of following love. And one of the reasons I actually ended up at the church was this deep fear of dying because, okay, phew. Here they're telling me that as long as I do this, it'll be okay. And when you have little babies and the shit's hitting the fan because it's just so stressful, it brought a little bit of comfort and I was like, okay, whew. for now I feel like I'm safe. You know, and I'm, it was, it was what it was. As time went by and then I was stronger and, you know, my kids were a little bit bigger. I grew a little bit more in my contemplative practices and I decided, okay, 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 come on now. This is some fucking bullshit. Keep seeking spirit, show me, and it showed me different ways. Contemplative practices, meditation practice. I went back into yoga, expansion, expansion, and then boom, like, yes, that's not what it is. That's just me seeking safety, and that's really just somebody else taking the power that I have as a spirit learning how to be human. So I began to embrace the fear, fear, you know, face the fear, embrace the fear. And, you know, my meditation teacher would tell me, invite fear for tea. Notice it. Feel it in your body. There it is. There it is. There it is. Okay. Oh, okay. Now it moved and I breathe it and, and now it turns into laughter and now it turns into tears and now I'm releasing things that are in the body and, and it's okay. And so I began to train, you know, this trauma-informed um, method of, of healing, of teaching yoga and mindfulness gets a lot in the body and, you know, you start to see all that's coming up right now and trauma informed this and the body keeps the score and somatic experience learning and Peter Levine stuff and, and all of these these modalities and I began to notice well all of that really you know the native indigenous people and Africans like the drumming and the dancing and the shamans and all of these dances that I used to go to when I was you know in my teens and early 20s and drumming and dancing all that stuff is really the same thing you're shaking the body. You're getting into these meditative states with drumming and trancing and memories are coming and going and you're releasing these traumas just like humans have known 
intuitively how to do for thousands and thousands of years. But of course, we forgot because they took our power away with all these fears being imposed on us about religion and don't do this and don't do that and people, you know, oppressing us. Oh, I'm getting really like, I really, I really have this, this sense of, <laughs> it's just like this joy of just being able to speak this freely and not scared that somebody's watching and that I'm going to get in trouble or that something's going to happen because who, you know, who taught us that? Can we question our fears? Can we question why we, we were so scared of living? Of doing what we want, what we really want, of, of feeling this, all of this, all of it. You know, and and uh, one of the things that happened, uh, you know, as I started to just like, you know, dance therapy and drumming and music and ceremonies and all of these amazing um, rituals that I that I get to create and participate in with other friends and community. Um, when I when I go to Julio, I went with my husband my partner of 25 years to this energy tune retreat, energy healing, orgasmic healing retreat. We're like, yeah, we're married 25 years. And lo and behold, you know, it was way more than what I thought. I mean, we'd worked with Sasha before. And if you guys haven't um, followed Sasha Cobra yet, please go see the work she's doing. It's a beautiful, beautiful work. She's on YouTube. She's on Instagram, her webpage. Just look her up, Sasha Cobra. Um, Ashe and my gratitude for for her humanity, for her love, and for the lessons and the holding space that she did for us these past two weeks. It was so powerful because we are this creative, orgasmic energy. And, you know, I was taught, and most of us are taught, that sex is like the bang-bang Hollywood movie thing or just like, you know, rubbing up, having an orgasm, and woo-woo, you know, you might have good sex, you might have bad. And it's so wrong. Like, this is like, you know, and you know, if you've had experiences like this before, we just, I think when you're not taught about it in a book or by a teacher, you don't really, sometimes intuitively you know, but maybe sometimes you don't intellectually make sense of this, but it's an exchange of like just feeling the other person, feeling yourself and allowing from tip to toe your breath to go in and just flow whatever sensation of this creative energy that we are go through us and sometimes that's scary and sometimes you're crying and sometimes you're screaming and sometimes it's like Ooh, pleasure but we have identified pleasure with only good and what I like and pleasure is really feeling all of it so that we can expand into no fear and just this sensation of creation of creative power and possibility and love and awareness and just like wow we're alive what are we doing here ah! and being able to sometimes just hold that in calmness and in softness and really in soberness I mean it's one thing to, to feel super excited when you're like you know drinking or high or whatever but just sober in your breath like you know being in these states of ecstasy just by yourself with breathing and just feeling the energy moving through your body um and like what the hell like why didn't somebody you know in, in, 
I think you, you get these sensations sometimes when you're like running along, you know, in this huge marathon or hiking an amazing mountain and you get all the way to the top and you sit there and you're just like, wow, taken by the beauty of just this planet. Or when you hold your little baby and you're just breastfeeding and you're just like, wow, you know, these moments of gratitude of being alive. But being able to just get to these moments with in your breath and and some of the work that we did at this retreat really was um, it was very powerful, very spiritual, very magical, um, sober. Like there was no drugs, no alcohol, no coffee, no nothing. We ate vegan all week. I mean, Julio was eating vegan and he was feeling great. I mean, we were in there like, let's do this. We want to expand. We want to heal and grow. We're both serving um, the community in, in the capacity that we love, but we, you know, we want to grow more and deeper so that we can all be, be better, you know, and, um, and softer and, and, and love easier, especially, you know, making the way for our kids. Uh, I don't think that the way the world is going works. I don't think the schools are teaching what we need to be learning. Um, you know, and, and, and so what I had figured in this retreat was, you know, <laughs> we have this, this magical creative energy inside of us, and it can be sometimes discovering it too fucking much. That's, I think that's why it was a nine-day retreat, because you go little by little by little. And one of the experiences that I had there was, you know, because the teacher was like, you know, I was, ah, I'm so angry. And one of the sessions I spoke about being angry at you know, some of the things my parents did or my dad or whatever. And, you know, she just looked at me very softly and was like, you know, perhaps that anger is something that, you know, you have on your father, but you're kind of like throwing it over here onto Julio. And I was like, what? Okay, I see that, you know, mirroring, whatever. And then we had this beautiful experience of just you know moving the energy and feeling the energy and allowing and it's not I, I can't explain to you what it is you guys need to go get a session with Sasha just go do it I mean if you've ever done Reiki um, or breath work it's not even like that but it's kind of like that but 50 million times more powerful like you're gone and in one of those or even like ayahuasca <laughs> like the, 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 the state of the capacity that we have as magical beings is kind of what, what it's what was happening here for me and um, and so one of the ex in this experience I'm, I'm stumbling because I don't have words to explain it you guys I'm just gonna tell you what I saw okay I had this vision of my dad being really really like we were really really little and he was buying us ice cream like the three of us uh, my brother my sister and I and there's my dad and I was able to like I was living it I was like out of my body seeing this memory because there's really no time and place and energy. And and so I, I, I saw that, and then I saw him a few years later, was us at the beach, and then you know him coming home and giving us all tickles and hugs, and I just saw all of these memories of him showing up for me at the school, and, and you know, as a teenager, and things he said, and the things he did, and then I saw his father, and all the sacrifice that his father had to do with us, and me having tender moments with my grandfather, and then I saw his father, and it was like this huge memory of the lineage of my ancestors, 
and everything that had to happen just for the stars to align for me to get here, to do what I needed to do for the continuation of healing and expansion of my ancestral lineage and consciousness and itself. I mean, it was like, what the hell? I, what is going on? And, you know, there was so much love and crying and just, I remember my dad when I first got married would say, when am I going to be a grandfather? Am I going to be a grandfather yet? When am I going to be a grandfather? And I was like, dude, calm the fuck down. Like, I don't want to have to, like, produce a kid just because you want to be a grandfather. Like, give me some time. I'm enjoying my husband here. You know, like, what? But now I understand. Maybe, you know, not in like intellectual ways, but in intuitive spiritual ways, you need more of your ancestral lineage to flow so that whatever we're here to work out and create an assistant can f- happen. And I got all of these downloads and I was so excited and I was like, oh my God, I think I forgave my dad. This was so beautiful. And we had this other moment where we were dancing and I was dancing with my husband and then I shared like, you know, I really want to share how I have been angry at Julio and for really like things that have nothing to do with him <laughs> just memories and traumas that I've had in my body I think and and I love dancing with him and hanging out and it makes me laugh and it's been so you know like like I think we were just maybe even together in past lives I don't know but there's this deep deep friendship and so there was all this grief coming out of me holding back um, of receiving and allowing to receive and to give love to because of this trauma anger thing getting in the way you know and this judgment of if things aren't this way like I was programmed to believe in the box then how can I love you but even when they are that way there's still something else and still something else and still something else I grew up very very competitive right my family was very competitive culture was competitive everything was like who's the best who's this, who's the fastest who can do the best you know swim club thing or who can look the prettiest or who's the most popular I mean there's always this competition and it was deeply competitive in my family as well even among us like you show up and who's going to do the best show and who looks you know who's got you know who's the fittest and I mean there's still a lot of other things but the one of the deep messages was so how are you excelling are you are you are you like getting the best are you the best are you the best and so now that turns into us not even being able to me not being able to receive love and sweetness because wait a minute is this the best there's got to be more wait for kids for for the kids for for the neighbors for my parents everybody we're always just requesting so much because that's what the programming was um and it starts with the fear of not being you know I think it's like a mixture, a blender of the fear of like all of this cultural religious fear stuff within all of this other cultural religious, I mean, cultural programming stuff of competing that is just, when is it ever going to be enough for you to allow and to soften and receive all this sweetness? Okay, that's one part. But the other part is that all these fears get stuck in the body, which is why we do yoga and breath work and drumming and trauma release. And some of this breath work stuff is this release. And so the next, I don't know, like, Four or five days later, when we do the last exercise, I'm thinking, oh, now I'm really going to be super soft and crying and just loving life. And guess what? Guess what? When I start breathing and allowing this experience to happen through me, I just was grabbing onto Julio's hands and had like this, <laughs> ah, like all of this anger and 
just pissed off and this was coming out of my hands like my energy was just palpable but I was in my body breathing it just feeling it and just these memories of abandonment when we were really little that my parents put us in an airplane the three of us and sent us to my aunt's house in Tijuana this aunt's house and it was like being in that airplane all confused and not being able to take care of my brother and sister I thought I'd figured it out you know it was it was fine we were all fine but this memory was also, besides it being stuck in my body as something sad that I cried about, I was pissed. I mean, it was coming out like, I hate you, you're so fucking dumb. And just, I couldn't even tell you. I was losing my shit. And so, you know, Sasha would come over and just kind of call me and just show me like, it's okay. Like you can self-soothe. It's okay. And so you calm, you breathe, you know, little by little. Just like life has to be little by little. And yeah, I've been learning about this for years. I teach self-compassion, you know, the commonality of suffering. Like, it's okay. Placing your hand on your heart, holding on to yourself and saying, it's okay that it's hard. It's okay that we struggle. Ah, you know, oh, honey, you're going to be okay. I'm so sorry. Like when we self-soothe, you know, and Kristen Neff has an extensive research on this. I've been know studying her work for years and um, working you know well sharing you know the space with compassionate about having self-compassion because it's so important for life so 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 deeply important to be soft and 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 know that it's hard I mean it life is intense so what ended up happening after was that I was just kind of angry about the whole experience you know I mean I cried and cried and it was a beautiful release but I was like intellectualizing like what's happening here and why and this and that and Julio would tell me like look you're up in your head again just allow the experience and I'm up here trying to like you know control it and and, and manipulate what it was and this and that and the other and he was like just be in your body I said okay okay I'm going to just listen to Julio because he's a very wise sage (laughs) I sat there and didn't think I just was focusing on what I was doing my feet the earth and drinking water and journaling and the next morning I I was I woke up and I realized okay wow like this is this is life all of it it doesn't always have to feel good and pleasurable in order for it to be quote-unquote approved Um, you know and it's like that's part of the things that I'm afraid of if and I think it's like being afraid of dying if it's not good then you're scared of it or or controlling it and that's kind of what we've created this illusion of what death is something that's not approvable something that's so that's not part of what we want or what we want to feel good in so we fight it till the end you know just like I was trying to intellectualize this experience and it's just it was just it was just a release of these emotions in my body and the more the more um, you know release and release and release then this like this this these emotions are energy in motion right so you release and so this energy this life force flows through you and I don't know man it just takes these memories and you're open for receiving and expanding your capacity of this energy to flow now more freely without all this programming without all this tension in the body without all this you know, stuck grief, anger, fear, in particular fear. 
And so you begin to open to life. And so that's kind of what I, I saw the next day. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what it is. It's just, it's an experience of opening to life. And I'm trying to control it just like we're all trying to control death. Because <laughs> we're afraid, you know, we're afraid of dying. And it's, we can't really control it. And if we're energy, and if these magical things happen with just breath and allowing, you know, what, like, why are we even scared of, of dying? We're, I just realized we're so much more than this. And, you know, of course, after the retreat, we went to Mexico City, and we had already had planned um, to meet with Janina Tomasini, which is a facilitator of, um, you know, sacred medicine. And at first I thought, maybe that's going to be a little too much to go have a Bufo experience after nine days of energy healing. But we it was already planned, and when the stars aligned, and it was a perfect timing. And, I mean, you know, I've been really been wanting to meet her. And so I was just, I'm open. When I ask for something and spirit leads the way, it's like, thank you, I'm here. Let's go. Bring it on. And when I went there, oh, my gosh. I mean, I... You know, we showed up there and I was really kind of shitting bricks and very nervous. And, and that's normal. That's part of also being in this human, you know, the reptilian brain, like, oh, my God. And, you know, everyone's normal. And she she just has this beautiful studio with all of her musical instruments. And she's just, you know, very informed and tells you exactly what's going to happen. And ma the main instruction with really with any sacred um, medicine is allow the medicine to teach you what you're ready or what you're what you want to know um and so you know in great surrender and um respect we went i went in and it was like you know I, w I, I was sitting there breathing and i had another one of these cathartic trauma release experiences like i'd had at the retreat and it was like everything that I learned in those nine days was like shown to me in like um, a molecularly shown to me. This is exactly what happened. Like I was laying there breathing, like giving birth to, I don't know what, man, to myself. It was like there's so much energy flowing in my body. I was like singing and just, you know, like these screaming and also like seeing my mom and all these beautiful female energies and just you know I even like sense Sasha there telling me it's okay like you can do this like softening into it on the other side just seeing like ah oh, like all of this strength and in my fear and I would just like I was I stayed in it and I, you know Yanino's playing the music and it's like and I was accompanied but I was also very much aware of like wow this is the capacity the way they like I can expand my we can make space for all of it the fear the horror the love the sweetness the softness like we're all of it it's all part of being a human and um when 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 you just open your arms to feel all of it even if it's hard by you know you don't have to just you know beat yourself up i mean there's like in and out smoothing smoothing and softly into it which is exactly what self-compassion does which is exactly what's soothing into an experience and that your therapist should be doing with you or or your healer person or your, your partner. We don't need to do this by ourselves. You know, that's why we are growing in community and that's why it's been so hard with this COVID thing and everybody's separating. If if at least you've been able to stay around with somebody that can you can give a hug to, 
you know, even if you have your mask on, but just touch, you know, feel the other person's heart next to yours. Breathe together and just know that, whoa, man, this is amazingly juicy and just beautiful, but it's so fucking intense, you know. And I, I after I left there, I was, you know, we were going to go to eat and shopping. I just, I had to go back to Paola's house and just put my feet on the earth and just bawl my eyes out because the love, the intensity, my children, this life on this earth and what's coming and the responsibility of just being here and why we choose to be here and why our kids come through us and why we chose our parents. It was just, it was so overwhelming. I mean, I was hugging Carla, crying my balls out. Hugging Paola, just crying. Hugging Julio and we had the incest and the, they were just sitting there with me and I was overwhelmed with gratitude and sometimes it's just even too much the gratitude. Um, not that it's bad. It's just so much to feel. And we're just not trained to feel. We're trained to think and process. But we really, how often do we allow ourselves to really, really feel all of it without cringing back because we're going to be embarrassed or because what are they going to say or because we're not going to be allowed to do this or do that or because, you know, you're, 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 you're just taught like my, you know, the resistance of feeling was handed down to me by my mom. You know, I remember one time being in a, in a concert when I was like 13, 14 years old and I convinced my mom to take me to the Duran Duran concert because all of my middle school friends were going to go and they all had front row seats and Oh, my mom was so controlling. She didn't let me go with them. But I was so devastated that she at least bought tickets for her and my dad. And they both took me. Okay, here I am with my parents. The freaking sports arena in San Diego. Duran Duran concert. Sold out. All of my friends are down in front row. By themselves. Free. And here I am in the freaking back of the crowd. But whatever. At least they took me. And I was so excited. And as soon as, you know, they turn off the lights and you're waiting and you wait. And as soon as they walked in, it was just like, wow. The whole stadium was just up and screaming. And I get up and I lift my hands up like, oh my God, John Taylor. And my mom turns to me and sits me down and she's like, calmate. I was like, what? Like she, her message was don't fucking express joy and ecstasy. Like that is just no. And so I was like, oh my God, what the hell? So I had to sit there in my seat and contain all of this excitement in a little ball. And just like, ah. I mean, you know, I was singing and singing and singing, but I couldn't like getting up and moving my hands up in the air and just screaming and dancing was just no, no, no. So imagine all of that ecstasy energy contained and how many other experiences have we had where we've been told not to feel like that? And so it, it, it turns into a fear of feeling and an alienation of the sensation of the pleasure of being alive. So I don't think we're scared of dying. I think we're scared of living. If we tell our children and ourselves, <laughs> since we're young, we're part of this earth. We are seeds of the Pachamama. We are like a flower, like a tree, you know, like that bird. We're going, we're here, we're enjoying, we're blooming, and then we're going to fall and die and feed the earth and just rebirth someplace else and it's okay and if we fear we can pray we can hold each other we can breathe and keep on moving and little by little learn that it's okay to feel all of it all of it because the more in touch we are with this 
the more we have access to different realms of experiences, of non-judgment, of no mind, of just being with what is, <laughs> and just laughing in the joy of not really knowing, because we don't know anything. <laughs> you know, in all of these rules and regulations and, and scriptures and stories and everything that, that you've been told, yeah, they might be ideas. You can get some mystery poetry from here and there, but it's your experience. It's what you know and feeling, what you allow yourselves to know and feel. And the softer and sweeter we can be with ourselves in this process and with others around us, the more and more we can realize that this is a beautiful, beautiful experience. We have really nothing to fear. And, you know, I sensed my mom the day after that. It was such an intense night after that experience and I didn't really sleep I was so freaking scared and just I mean I'm telling you I was trying to do my breathing and my meditation and putting music and everything I was so like my body was sensible the most sensitive as fuck it's ever been in my life and all I could think about was you know like I don't know I couldn't even think about anything I was just scared I could feel it in my body all of this fear just all of this energy moving and then the next morning like around 5.30 in the morning, I was finally like, okay, the light is out. <sighs> Paola sent me this um, this little video of a song of, you know, like an encouraging music. And I was like, thank you for sending that. What a fucking night, man. She's like, what happened? And just like, you know, like we're in a sleepover. I, I come out to the hall and there she is. And we're softly whispering. And she's like, ¿Qué pasó, I'm like, no mames, we no me. Like I couldn't fucking sleep. It was so scary. And she's like, come here, come here. We go into her altar room and. And she lights the candle, she lights the incense. She's like, just sit here. And you know, there's a lot of also, you know, I sense my mom so deeply and she just died and this is your mom. And and I was just crying. We were watching the sunrise and I was shaking. She was holding me and I was allowing myself to be held by her. Like softly, like, I don't really typically do that for too long. I mean, I love you and I hug you, but at the same time, I'm also like, okay, that should be enough. You know, I don't want to be burdened. No, it was just like this allowing to be held, which is another gift of releasing fear. She's like, let me give you Reiki. She gets her mat. She lays me down. I have to give you Reiki. Your energy is all over the place. And I'm like, okay. She starts placing her hands on me and we're breathing and she's just is loving on me with just Reiki energy love and you know, she's going like in my forehead, in my neck, on my heart, in my solar plexus, in my chakra, in my uh, root chakras, all over my legs. And she's just moving this beautiful, loving energy. And I just start to breathe and calm down. And then she sits on my, up on my face and she's just like softly caressing my face. And I'm feeling this love and I'm breathing. And I get lost in my breath and I get lost in this This feeling, the same deep, soft, like no mind breath that I had when the day after my mom left us. The day that I sensed that my mom was breathing me. <laughs> and in this moment, I, I heard somebody say to me, you are safe. And you know, I have a lot of meditation and, and energy work moments and Things and I always see and feel things when I'm in the Akasha records or when I'm, you know, in deep trances of drumming or prayer or whatever. I always sense things in visions and in images and in feelings in my body. And I don't, some people hear voices. I don't really 
normally hear voices, but this was a very, very clear encouragement of, it seemed like even a command, like, you are safe. Okay. And maybe the voice just knew that that's just how I get things. Like, let's go. That's right, man. Okay. Okay. We're good. But it was also this sweetness sitting with Paola. So it was, again, embracing both and the softness. And then I had this beautiful vision of, like, running in these fields of grass with Paula and her horses. And my little boy, Santi, was here kneeling next to me, just looking at me like, I'm a Gisela, you know, and just that's how he calls me sometimes. And just the smiles and just so much beauty and wonder and like, whoa, dude, this is amazing. And I was just crying and crying. When I told Paola, dude, I felt somebody said to me, you are safe. And Paola was like, your mom is here. It was your mom. Like, I felt her. She's caressing you. I was like, dude, she was breathing me. And it was like, she's, you know, she's here. And all of that fear and all of those thoughts of you feeling that you were abandoned by her and she's here and she's, you know, she's just caressing you, feeling you through it. She's sorry and so grateful for you taking care of her. I mean, I was hearing Paola say these words to me and I, the tears were just flowing a release. I think all day that day I was in and out of just gratitude and crying and, you know, and then Julio and I took a, a long trip down all the way to Lalpan to visit my friend Sergio. And Sergio is this, whew, another love being, amazing being that I ran into consciously because I knew him from Tijuana, but I was always so in party land that I don't really remember. But consciously gave me my first job when I was 25 years old that I mentioned in the beginning. And I remember uh, I, I had to meditate in the you know, I had to either meditate or pray, and I didn't want to pray. So he took me, he taught me how to meditate. He took me to his meditation groups. He gave me my little mala beads. And it was, he was such an important person in my life during a very pivotal choice movement of my journey in this earth. And he would tell me, you know, tú eres un bodhisattva. That's what he said to me. He's like, you are a bodhisattva. And I, was, I remember just playing along, like, I kind of knew what a bodhisattva was, like, yeah, yeah, I'm a bodhisattva. And then I went home, and I'm like, okay, what the fuck's a bodhisattva? And I don't even remember whether or not we had Google yet or not, because I'm older than most of you guys. But I remember looking it up, and I was like, okay, a bodhisattva is a person who stays around to help others. It's like a compassionate soul. of, And I was like, and we had a band, and I was in, you know, in recovery, and some of the songs were about hope and living and not being afraid to feel, and... I even, you know, I named my band Bodhisattva. That was the name of our rock and español jazz band. And, and so, you know, I think we worked together for one year, maybe two. And then he, he moved on to LA to San Francisco. And I never really saw him again. But once in a while, I, I try to reach out. And finally, you know, in Instagram land, I connect with him. And I see that he's moved back to Mexico. And I sent him a message saying, can I come? Can you hang out? Because I really wanted to see him to tell him thank you for being there in that moment, among other things that he helped us with, you know? And so when I ran into him, he, the first thing I was like, I really want to just give him a hug and connect and just the space that he's created also. He worked for years and years, and I'm going to have him, hopefully, if he wants to come here and share his story, but he cooked an amazing meal for us. Sergio is this, like, phenomenal chef, super famous, like, amazing. He, he built his own... Um, empire 
of community. He's a social justice activist and he's like a community builder and he's down for the cause and he's just a love bug and he's just an amazing chef and he can cook anything and everything for 50,000 people. And we show up and he has like this huge ranch and he's, you know, you know, working now with ceramics and creating a community with other people in the land, growing food. And I was just like, wow. And I tell him, I really want to come see you because I want to thank you about, you know, how have you been in my life? And he tells me, well, it's a good thing you're calling because I just had a dream about you a few days ago. And I saw you in this dream and this space that I'm in teaching your mindfulness classes. <laughs> and just, you know, I'm beginning to understand just how life is open for us. And as long as we say yes and follow in love and um, and just chase after that, that healing, that goodness that belongs to us, that birthright that perhaps has been stolen by oppressive messages of fear and of not allowing ourselves to feel. And as we begin to connect and expand, we're open to just realizing, wow, yes, yes, life. Yes to life, yes to this experience. And yes, maybe I'm still scared of dying, but I'm not really scared of living. I am not scared of living. And it's taking time and it's like a little bit here, a little bit there. And you know, I want to have patience with me, patience with those around me, patience with my kids and you know, I the people around me that I might want to be like, wake up and live. Everybody, all of us, we have our process. And if we can be sweet and soft with ourselves and sweet and soft with others, and you know, we can create better and bigger space for these experiences to happen and and to know. Oh, because also <laughs> that night when I went home, you know, Julio was telling me, Wow, you know, I'm so it's so cool to see you just like no matter what you're gonna go connect with this friend, no matter what you're gonna connect with that friend and just you know, it took us a long it's a long road here and a long road there, but it's just that's what we are here for is to connect with ourselves, with the earth, and with other beautiful humans. And that night, in my sleep, I slept beautifully. I was just like, oh, like from nine to six. I mean, not even any fear. It was just like the softness, beautiful sleep. And before I woke up, I had this dream. I don't know if it was a dream or a vision or what, but I was laying in bed and I just saw, you know, like when there's smoke coming out from incense from a copal, um, or from when you turn off a, a candle or even smoke from a cigarette, it's just like this air coming out. I just saw like this purple, beautiful light, just like a vision of how it exits through the top of your head, out of your body, whoosh, and then it just enters into oneness. And I woke up and I'm like, I told Julio, whoa, I think I was just shown how we die and that it doesn't hurt and that it's okay. <laughs> and I mean... I don't know. I'm not going to like write that down and patent it as truth, but that's just what I was shown and I just share that with you. It's okay. <laughs> We're okay. And that's that's what's up today in Tales of Recovery. So I'm hoping to have Sergio here and another beautiful uh, woman I met while I was at his place who's a phenomenal artist who also bought land and Tepostan is also you know, um, building a more and more beautiful community, more connected to the earth, and other friends that are coming. Um, Yanina, as well, you know, 
if you want to hear about her story, um, stay tuned for that. I think that one's going to be in Spanish, though, but um, we'll see. Uh, so thank you for listening. Thank you for existing. <laughs> and please share. Share the love. Allow sweetness and patience for your, for all of our, for our journey here. Um, may we be soft and sweet to ourselves. May we, may this podcast serve awakening. May we continue to awaken together. Ashe. Peace.